hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Yes, this is Mark Hershon. It is Epi 29 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Welcome back. Or if this is your first time visiting, glad to have you. Um, normally, we play a lot of clips from comedy podcasts gathered from the interwebs. Today's show is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we have a, a, a great interview. I uh, got a chance to sit down with comedy veteran Craig Shoemaker backstage at Tommy T's in San Francisco and uh, had a great chat with him. Uh, met him over 20 years ago. We used to hang out and write in Los Angeles, which we get into a little bit in uh, the interview. And then, weirdly, I've not seen him once in the last 15 years. Very strange. Uh, but a great guy. And uh, it was good to have him in town. I want to thank everyone who has taken the time to rate and or review us up on iTunes. You know, those responses are the only paycheck I get for this show. Because, you know, those cheap bastards at Henderson's Pants have yet to pay us for any of the ads we've played. So it's really appreciated. If you haven't had a chance to do it, just get on iTunes and click five stars. Look look us up first. Don't just randomly click five stars. <laughs> so look up Succotash. If you can take a minute to cobble together a couple lines of a glowing review, that would be fantastic. Uh, that's the sort of thing that gets us up into the uh, new and noteworthy on that site, which heightens our visibility, which is terrific, and helps you to Past the succotash, see? Uh, you can also rate us on the Stitcher Smart Radio site now, which is cool. It's a little bit difficult to find a show there because the search thing is not real obvious. Um, so here's a short link you can use to get to the succotash show on Stitcher. Just type in uh, in your browser, hersh, H-E-R-S-H dot C-O slash Stitchcast, S-T-I-T-C-H-C-A-S-T. Or maybe it's just easier to go and fumble your way around Stitcher. I don't know. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to uh, read my talking, I am one of the reviewers over on Splitsider.com as part of This Week in Comedy Podcasts. And this week, I'm reviewing the Storyworthy Podcast with hosts Christine Blackburn and Hannah Finney, along with our guest Blaine Kapach. I also tossed an honorable mention to Greg Fitzsimmons over at Fitzdog Radio with his guest Jay Moore. Normally, I would probably play clips from those shows on this show today since I just reviewed them. But again, just sort of out of space this week because of because of the interview. Uh, actually, I have two interviews this week, uh, one with Craig Shoemaker and the other I'll tell you about in a moment. The format's pretty much out the window, as you can tell this week. <laughs> um, but uh, I do have a couple of show clips and I have a couple other little treats for you. We don't even have Will Durst in our burst of Durst this week because Durst is on a sabbatical for a couple of weeks. I'll tell you about that uh, a little later in the show as well. But uh, in the meantime, let's kick things off with the short chat I had with friend of the show, Phil Lairness. Phil is the co-host along with Dean Hagelin of one of my favorite podcasts, the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. Uh, not a comedy podcast per se, but I have sort of let them in to the show because uh, they do do a lot of funny stuff. Dean is a stand-up and an improviser, uh, but their show is not really about comedy. There's, it's about sort of Hollywood, uh, not gossipy Hollywood either, it's sort of the nuts and bolts of Hollywood. Anyway, Phil's a movie maker, he's a writer, and he's also a violence prevention specialist, <laughs> the project 
uh, that uh, he's on to talk about has nothing to do with violence prevention. He's got a new Kickstarter project called Hieroglyph of the Human Soul, and it's a documentary uh, featuring actor-philosopher Lee McCloskey. Now, if you saw Phil and Dean's uh, movie called The Truth is Out There, they talk to Lee McCloskey, who is just a really interesting guy to some fantastic art and has an amazing philosophy about sort of the goodness of the human soul. Anyway, they've got a Kickstarter campaign to uh, try and fund this documentary that they're doing with Lee. So uh, listen to our chat and check that out. You can kick some buckaroos over to Kickstarter. I'll tell you how right after my talk with Phil on Skype. So how's summer treating you so far? It's been good. The weather's been pretty good up here. Uh, we're getting some of that uh, typical fog that the Bay Area is used to, you know. But the, kid, the, kids, the kids love it. The kids love it. <laughs> Keeps their skin moist. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's it's odd being in L.A. for the most part this summer. It's been a long time since that's happened because usually, you know, Hagland and I are packing up and traveling yeah. all over. But, so, uh, uh, why staying close to home this time? Well, we've, we've separated from the producer of, uh, the first truth is out there and, uh, we've, we've started shooting. We're about probably a quarter of the way through two sequels to it. We've decided we'll stay around and shoot everything that needs to be shot locally during the next couple months while we put our ducks in a row to then start traveling around the world. Oh, again. good. Okay. Uh, I am talking to Phil Ernest. Now, is it Phil Lairness, Phil Lairness, or Phil Lairness? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, the name is actually, I found out, made up. So it really is whatever you want it to be. Apparently, my great-grandfather, Eric Peterson, from Norway... <laughs> Decided to change his name because he was one of 15 Eric Petersons in Borup County, Minnesota, and he was tired of not getting his mail from the, the home country. This is the 1850s, I think, 1860s, maybe. So uh, Eric Peterson, great-grandpa Eric Peterson, went to the county clerk and got his name legally changed, and he changed the name, the last name, to Lairness. The spelling was supposed to be L-E-R-N-E-S-S. And the clerk hmm. wrote it down wrong and added an unnecessary I after the E, oh, thereby pissing off more than a century of future English teachers <laughs> who have always told me that I've been spelling my name wrong. Oh. I thought when I finally made it to Norway, Lairness would be like Smith. I, there would be all these ones. Because if I ever met a Lairness in this country, I would know pretty much two sure. things. One, we're related, and two, they're going to hit me up for money. <laughs> Are we out of time now? Yes, that that's all the time we have. Thank you, Phil. That's a delight talking to you. <laughs> we're talking today because you are not just working on the next um, iteration of The Truth is Out There, but you've got another special project that you're involved in. Yes, I am trying out a pair of Henderson ballroom dance pants. <laughs> No, is that not what we were? <laughs> that uh, that was going to be a surprise. We can that was it, too but, soon. Uh, no, but you've actually given me the commercial for the next episode, so thank you. <laughs> Pants make a difference. Yes, I am working. Dean is working. We are all working on a documentary project that's near and dear to our heart. We are, in fact, uh, donating our time and our, our talents and our equipment and our services to make a documentary that focuses on the amazing art and truly inspiring philosophy of uh, a genuine Renaissance man, Lee J. McCloskey, 
whose work and whose philosophy is fig- does figure prominently in our film, The Truth Is Out There. Everywhere we went, though, uh, people wanted to learn more about his art and and his way of looking at the world, which is truly refreshing, which is, is if I had to put it in, in one sentence, is, is all about fostering and nurturing and expressing uh, ideas that liberate uh, rather than enslave us in, in this modern information blizzard in which we live. Well, he's a, and, he's a fascinating guy. I remember him from the movie. Um, and that uh, fantastic bookshelf that he has where he's painted this amazing mosaic of sorts on the spines of these books, and they all sort of interconnect. You can't pull one out without sort of ruining the whole picture. And it was actually the religion section, because he has this elaborate library that he's been collecting for decades and also uh, that his father had started collecting. It, it's really, it's, it's several generations of collection, this library. And he painted the entire room, including the backs of furniture, including the backs of books. And this was born out of a response to 9-11. The, the morning the towers came down, he said that the, the only human response to an act of destruction like this is, is an act of creation. And so he set about painting and he had no intent. It really revealed itself to him. And that section of the room with the, the library uh, of, of uh, religious texts, it, it was really one of the most uh, beautiful pieces, but also it's what I love is it's visual philosophy. The image tells you what you need to know rather than having people explain it to you. When you see him pull a particular religious text off that shelf, and I think he pulls the Gideon Bible, yeah. you see, you see, wow, it has its own unique beauty to it painted on its spine. And you can appreciate that text's unique beauty. But when you look at the picture up on the shelves, you realize, Oh, it's incomplete. Yes. I think if people watch the uh, video you guys have up on kickstarter.com to uh, get some backing for this video, they will be fascinated by uh, Lee McCloskey and just his way of talking. He is so facile with these philosophical concepts that you almost have to watch it like two or three times to really get the intricacies of what he's talking about, although what he's talking about is very sort of plain at the same time. Yeah, he, he never speaks uh, uh, over anyone's head. If, if people listen to him and think, oh, he's just over my head, he's actually, to me it seems, he's just speaking directly to truths that we all hold in our heart. Uh, but they are so rich that I think it does require repeat viewing. And so armed with that knowledge, I feel I really am uh, capable of doing justice to Lee's work and to his teachings and his writings. Uh, And I think it will be something that people will want to watch again and again, if only because, let's face it, you're having a bad day, you're feeling stressed out, you put on a Blu-ray and you get to explore his art and that room and, and its environment. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's relaxing. It's pleasing. It's a, it's a great way to change your own energy. We'll have the link to the Kickstarter campaign up on the com site. And the name of the project is called Hieroglyph of the Human Soul uh, because that's what that room collectively is called. That one living painting is called Hieroglyph of the Human Soul. And they might also recognize Lee, it should be said, because uh, 
he is an actor also yeah. of some note. Uh, he right. starred on the original Dallas series. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we were, we were at a speaking engagement today, and it was getting very philosophical. And in the midst of this real philosophical discussion, I said, but what was it like to work with Larry Hagman when he was at the peak of his powers? <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> and it is fun. And it's great. And that's the thing also about Lee is that he uh, appreciates more than anyone that when we live in this information blizzard where we, we almost feel like we have to defend ourselves against all the information that's coming our way all the time, that really a well-developed sense of humor and sense of comedy kind of teaches us the skill set that required to navigate the waters of consciousness in the 21st century. The ability to have fun while listening to other people's point of view and turning it on its side and looking at it from different angles. That's, which I is think, what I think Succotash is fulfilling for that same reason. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, I, here I am making a documentary about a Renaissance man who is more of a Renaissance man than Mark Hershaw. I suppose. I mean, like you, I like to say, I'm the Renaissance man without the Black Plague. <laughs> but but the night is young. <laughs> you, I mean, you are you are the the comedy podcast podcaster. I am. Without you are an, an author, yes. uh, a, a branding expert, yes, a screenwriter. That's true. That's true. Uh, you uh, next to Lionel Hampton, you're the greatest <laughs> jazz keyboard player I've ever heard. I love the vibes, man. I can't get away from them. <laughs> And you know what? I love your vibes, too. And that's why I keep coming back to Succotash. Well, listen, Phil, uh, we'll uh, put this up on the next episode, so it'll uh, have quite a bit of time for people to get their uh, help into you guys on Kickstarter. We and hope people will check it out and uh, and help generously. Yes, because even though, as I said, we're donating all our times and services and everything, the post-production costs alone, you know, the, sure. the doing color correction and sound mix and the replication and the authoring of DVDs is, is quite costly. And those companies don't work for free. Right. Yeah, why? <laughs> why not? <laughs> so we'll uh, try and get an update. I think um, you mentioned you may be up in the Bay Area in August, so we'll actually try to get you in the studio. You can co-host the show with me. Oh, I would love that. I'm like the Richard Belzer of, of the podcast world, I think. At least that's my goal. I want to be able to play the one character, co-host Phil Lairness, on as many different podcasts as possible. Well, I will, uh, I'll turn you loose on the clips on the show, and you can say whatever you want about them. I will love all of them. Of course you will, equally. Yeah. They are full of talent. <laughs> well, listen, good luck with the campaign. As I said, we'll have a link up on our site. People can contribute, and uh, we will uh, see with um, eager anticipation how things go for you and Mr. McCloskey. Thank you, Mark. Thank Always you. a pleasure. My pleasure, and say hi to Dean. I'll do so. All right, have a good night. So that's Phil Lerness. Thanks for the call. Uh, Phil, and it was good to talk to you and catch up. Hopefully uh, see you this summer. You, uh, as I mentioned uh, before, uh, you can kick some buckaroos over to them on Kickstarter. There's a short link, hirsch.co slash hieroglyph2012. I'm not going to spell all that for you. There's a link up on the com website right over on the right-hand side. So if uh, you would like to uh, be kind to them and throw them a few bucks, if you throw them enough bucks, you'll get a free copy of the DVD 
uh, of that documentary when it gets made. And of course, if you know Kickstarter, if they don't get their funding, which they're not asking for a whole lot of money, but if they don't get their funding by their goal date, then you don't pay a dime. So it's uh, a gamble for everybody. And it's a lot of fun. So uh, check that out. I've been uh, trying to catch up with uh, Larry Miller, who uh, had a nasty accident uh, a few months ago and has been off of his show this week with Larry Miller. They've actually been playing um, reruns over there. And uh, there's been a few updates from his producer in the last few episodes that Larry is on the mend. He's doing okay. But this is the first week. We have actually heard from Larry. It's not for very long. It's less than a minute, but he does speak. Uh, that's right. This week, there is a short message from Larry Miller at the top of This Week with Larry Miller, and here it is. Hi, folks. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And here's the good news. This is real, and Colonel Jeff and Dr. Chris and I just recorded this to let you know I'm really good. I'm fine. I'm okay. But I may not be back for a while. So Colonel Jeff and Dr. Chris have been bringing me all the cards and letters you've written. And I want you to know they mean a lot to me. They mean so much to me. You mean a lot to me. You mean a lot to them. And I hope we mean the same thing to you. It's very gratifying to know that we've started to really build something here. We can't wait to do it again. You're the best listeners a guy like me could ever wish for. So remember, until we come back, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's still the truest thing I know. I hope it is for all of us, forever. So until my return, remember, Homer is Homer, Pluto is a planet, and what do you ask every bad bartender in the world? Nominum quid geminus? That's Latin for, you call that a double? Still works beautifully. I'll be seeing you soon. And the colonel and the doctor send you their fondest hellos. Bye. So we uh, wish Larry a continued speedy recovery. We'd like to hear him back on his podcast. And uh, one of these days, I think I made a New Year's resolution that Larry Miller is one of the guys I'm going to try and get on the show. Larry and I uh, knew each other years ago when I used to run the Comedy Underground up in Seattle and have uh, sort of touched bases from time to time over the years. So I hope to track him down and get him uh, on an interview when he's feeling better. But you can go to uh, This Week with Larry Miller up on iTunes and download his past episodes and give a listen. He's a funny, funny guy. It is time for the Tweet Sack. Normally, I don't do the Tweet Sack unless I am in Studio P with Joe Polino because he can play the Tweet Sack thing, the, the sound. And I'll play it if I can find it. But, uh, oh, there it is. Um, but we had a bunch of uh, mentions on Twitter, so I thought I would mention them because that's what the Tweet Sack's all about. Nobody sends regular mail at all. Do I ever give out an address you can even track me down at? I don't. I will if somebody says they want to send a letter. You can always send something to Mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com. But nobody really does that either unless they're sending clips, which is great. We love getting clips from comedy podcasters. Um, but we do respond to Twitter. So all you need to do is put at Show in your tweet. I'll find it and uh, we will... Uh, if it's something worth saying, I'll say it here. For instance, uh, last week we had a clip from uh, The Rigid Fist, which is a new podcast from, uh, well, as it turns out, it's it's not from the UK, which is what I thought. But I did, <laughs> I did get a tweet from at The Rigid Fist saying, I am actually from Australia. I suppose I should have put that in the email. See, because he sent us a clip. He says, it's my fault, not yours. I should have put info in the email I sent you. It doesn't matter. Thanks for playing the clip. Greatly appreciated. We, we love playing it, so thanks for sending it along. 
That's at the Rigid Fist. From at the Comedy Buffet, Succotash Show, I've spent so much time making podcasts, I forgot to listen to podcasts. Ironic or just plain lazy? Uh, Probably a little of both. I don't have time to listen to the ones I really, really enjoy because I'm so busy trying to find new stuff. But uh, that's from at the Comedy Buffet. We haven't played anything from them for a while. I've urge them to send a clip. I will try and track one down myself if I get the time, but you check them out at the Comedy Buffet. From at Crobama, uh, he says, uh, Succotash Show, would it be shameless promotion to ask if you heard the uh, Andy Kindler episode of Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch? Yes. Shameless, shameless promotion. Crobama is <laughs> the host of Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch, and uh, we will get a clip from that very show with Kindler. We don't have time uh, on this show to get it up, but, uh, we will next time. So, uh, please track down Dylan Brody's neighbor's couch and listen to that and all the other fine shows he's done so far from, uh, this is from at rapture insurance. This is a, I guess it's a website and, uh, they've started following us recently. We've started following them back, but, uh, they say, check out the Jesus gnome video at Succotash show. At the bottom of the page on our main Apocalypse and Armageddon website. Uh, that's their website, apocalypseandarmageddon.com. So uh, they did this uh, little video ad for something called the Jesus Gnome, which I did check out, and I have the audio version of it right here. From the creator of Jack Sparrow Gnome and Merlin Gnome, we bring you Jesus, Jesus Gnome. Gnome. That's right. Did you know the rapture is coming? Harold Camping thinks so. Again. But we got a treat for you. Apocalypse and Armageddon Assurance Associates, LLC, is here to offer you lowly centers, not only a cute collectible toy, but insurance for when your loved ones leave you because you are a spiritual loser. Get insurance, get posters, and get Jesus Gnome. Jesus Gnome comes with clothing and patterns purchasable through the Apocalypse and Armageddon website. Dress Jesus as Carpenter Gnome. Change his coat and you have Christ Gnome. And if you can't imagine Jesus without his transition from man to Lord, dress him down for Crucifixion Gnome. Your insurance posters and doll will keep you good company while you, you get, get left, left behind. behind. <laughs> That's the, the Jesus Gnome if you'd like to see that video. And a whole lot more uh, material. Go up to ApocalypseAndArmageddon.com. Uh, and the final item in the tweet sack is uh, from our friends over at uh, Pool Party Radio. They uh, had a belated thank you because I played their clip a while ago on the show, but they said, sorry, hadn't followed up on this. Thanks again for your support. It was a real honor to be featured on your show, especially alongside reviews of Matt Besser and other great comedians slash podcasters. So uh, thank you, Pool Party Radio, and uh, you guys can send us a clip or I'll try and find one and we'll get you back up on the show soon too. So that's it for the tweet sack for this week. Here's our one kind of our one real clip uh, that has nothing to do with any of our guests this week. This is from S and M rants. I featured these guys before, but it's been a while. So thanks for the clip guys. The S and M rants podcast. They're a weekly humor podcast with Shane Burley and Monica Hamburg. They discuss complete fucktards or FTs, as they say, in the news. Then they call a funny guest, and they get their judgment on who will be crowned Fucktard of the Week. From their website, if you'd like to hear bad erotica, painful Craigslist ads, or learn about Chewbacca sex fantasies, join them and their guest judges for the deranged goodness. 
So here's a clip of Monica and Shane doing it up S and M rant style. Rant, 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 rant. This one is from the Sun, which is a high quality, high newspaper. quality paper. Now I don't need to read the whole article because here's right. the gist of it. The gist is there's this doctor, and uh, he was an alternative doctor. He diagnosed them as having cancer. It's not that they originally had cancer and came to him. And then his cure was one of several different perverted things. And you know I think there was that he had, they had to have sex with him or his wife or whatever. But one of them was um, he has to suck their breasts. And the women did it. And, of course, he's being put in jail, which he should be with his wife, blah, blah, The trial's going on now. But what the fuck is wrong with these women? How does this happen? All right. Yes, hello? My friend said you were one of the better alternative clinics. I don't know why I have, like, some random accent because he's English. But um, well, I was, But uh, he's, my friend said you are a really good alternative uh clinic and uh, your bungalow is beautiful yes. I, yes. I think you must be good at what you do so can you give me a physical uh, I certainly can I, okay. I do uh, believe just come on into my office here um, don't don't mind the uh, kitty litter there remove all your clothing oh yes of course all right good so uh, all right uh, now uh, I'll begin the procedure this uh, <laughs> won't hurt at all uh, it's the, uh, the machine that I use to diagnose my patients with. Well, uh, well let me explain the, the basic functionality here. We've got this machine here that is uh, generating electricity. Now, it's running off a full-on diesel engine here in the same room that we're in, hmm. pumping horrible, horrible diseases into the air, uh, carbon monoxide and things. So uh, just don't don't mind that part. You can okay. ignore that. It's oh, is that perfect... supposed to take away to- the toxins that are yes, in the air? Yes, it takes it out, out of, of your lungs okay. and puts them into the air. Okay, so that yes. they can't take. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to take these two clamps here. I'm going to hook one to uh, your left nipple yes. and uh, the other one to your right nipple. Okay. And uh, then I will begin uh, pressing this red button. This red button will then diagnose you based on uh, the, the way you react. I'll be able to determine... What uh, diseases you may have. All right. Have. This so, sounds uh, good. Yes. So uh, let me just uh, hook these up here. There we go. And uh, this one over here. All right. So, uh... <laughs> All right. So, uh... That was a, oh, what does it say? Uh, well, what the does readout it is inconclusive. I'm going to have to... <laughs> so, oh, that, oh, that's terrible. Uh, oh, well. Here, let me take those uh, clamps oh, off I must be nipples. very sick. Uh, yes, I'm just looking at the readout here, and it does appear that you have cancer. Oh, my God, no! Yes, I'm very, very sorry to inform oh, you of no, this, this horrible, horrible news. However, just looking at the readout here, I can tell that the cancer you have is very, 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 very curable. Oh. Uh, all you need to do oh, is, is uh, let me suck on each of your breasts. Okay. And it has to be... Because I have boyfriend. I mean, can he oh, no, suck on my breasts? You are perfectly safe here. This is a doctor... And patient no, uh, privilege zone. I understand. I trust you completely. I just mean, uh, does it make difference if he suck on my breasts? Uh, oh no, no, it, it must be a qualified physician in order oh. to do the sucking. So, all right, all right. you see, over here on my wall, I have several, several degrees. I've got a doctorate in psychology, parapsychology, and uh, over here, uh, you'll notice that I'm able parasite to parasite management. This, uh, this is rodent yes, control. I, yes. No. No. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, I, it's, it's another thing. I, I just do that on the side. Okay. It's, it's not, it's not, I mean, that's where I get this, you know, equipment from, really. Uh, right. But I've just adapted in order to, uh, you know, be able to provide me with significant, high-level, very detailed... Please suck away. I don't... I feel like the kill, cancer's already killing me. All right, so ready? Here we go. Uh, i got to go to the left here. 
Friends, at Henderson's Pants, we've noticed that adults, teens, and children are not the only ones wearing the pants in the family these days. Believe it or not, even little babies are fond of wearing a well-tailored pant now and again. But up until now, they were limited in their selection of lower body garments in that most of what is available are simply just baby pants. Baggy, shapeless, and with little to show off that fast-developing physique. Henderson's is proud to introduce Henderson's Toddler Trousers. These slick slacks are the kind of infant wear that can make even the most preoccupied paste eater sit up and take notice. The extra layers of material in the knee and buttock help to assure hours of comfortable crawling and soft landings for when baby goes boom. And the bit of extra give in the crotch keeps your tyke from that most unsightly of sandbox no-nos, the dreaded diaper toe. Isn't it about time for Junior to crawl out in comfort and style? Henderson's toddler trousers come in a variety of luxurious fabrics, the kind found in the finest men's suits on the market today. But Henderson's serge, corduroy, and linen stock has been married with state-of-the-art polyfiber blends, which not only assure years of durable wear, but enough stretchability that today's baby will still be wearing those spiffy duds when it comes time to accept his or her diploma as your now-adult offspring spring graduates from high school. Originally designed for use by Hollywood's little people, jockeys, and chimpanzee astronauts, Henderson's toddler trousers are now available wherever clothes for tiny little humans are sold. That's Henderson's makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1896. And now, back to Succotash. Uh, thank you, Bill Haywatt, our announcer. Uh, thank you, Henderson's, for continuing to, uh, to sponsor Succotash. We love you. Now, if you're not familiar with the comedian Craig Shoemaker, what, what the hell's wrong with you? He's been around since the 80s and has done TV, movies, cable. He's been the love master, for God's sake. Anyway, there'll be more revealed in our interview. But before that, I wanted to play a little slice from his internet show slash podcast called Laugh It Off. It's an interesting blend of comedy, information, and healing. It's on live every Monday from noon until 2 p.m. on the toadhopnetwork.com. And it's video, but they also have an audio feed, or you can catch just the audio podcast later on iTunes. So let's give it a little listen, then we'll jump right into the interview I had with Craig about a week or so ago at Tommy T's in San Francisco. I had a party at Chuck E. Cheese yesterday, which I would love to present to you. It's what? The funnest place on earth. Is that what they call it? No. No. Okay. (laughs) All I saw was it's basically a strip club and a casino for adolescents. Mm-hmm, teaching you how to gamble. L- literally, you're throwing stuff in. These <laughs> tickets are coming out. And then Chuck E. Cheese himself, the big rat, by the way. I mean, who made that decision? Yeah. Who's sitting around going, we need uh, we need a mascot? How about a fluffy uh, How about a fluffy little bear? How about a little, you know, a little kitty kitty? No, yeah. I got it. A rat. And then everyone on the board agreed. Mm-hmm. Let's go with the rat. It scared the crap out of the kids. <laughs> He came out, and the only reason they stuck around was he's throwing tickets up in the air. That's like it's a strip club. He's making it rain with tickets. That, and what kind of value is on these tickets? I cashed them in. And I'm on the ground, by the way, yeah, hoarding. I'm sure. So don't get me wrong. I was part of this. I was just gobbling them up. And then they put Jared, my son, it's his eighth birthday. Happy birthday, Jared. I love you so much. And he did have a big smile on his face. And then they put him in a giant... <laughs> in a giant booth, a glass booth, and turned on the fans with tickets flying all over, and he's wearing goggles. It is Vegas. And he's trying to collect these tickets, and I'm outside pounding on the glass going, get the blue one! <laughs> it's a thousand! It's a thousand tickets! Daddy wants a new CD player! <laughs> 
so cash right. it in. We had all the tickets we could find. Yeah. Cashed it in. We basically got a uh, plastic monocle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a magnified glass. That's days of and fun. And two pieces of gum. Oh, that's okay, it. That's basically what you get. It's so anyway, I was going to do a whole bit on that. And I'm not because oh, the callers yeah. left. You can call again. I want to know. Oh, one's Listen. back. One's back. Oh, really? Okay, let's take that. I don't know. I have no idea what it's you about, but I am Schneider. absolutely fired up for your life, not mine. What's, what's I'm happy blue? with my life. Okay, what do we got? Somebody, no, somebody no, don't. I think what's it's, the blue? Are they there? Hello? Are they we there? are technically tectards. We are just. Let's just call it what it is. Hello? Oh yeah. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you on the Craig Shoemaker Show? Who is this? Uh, Hunter. Hunter, you are you young? Yes, sir. Oh, are you here to defend Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> no, I just have a random topic. You have a random topic? Okay. All right. Is it something we can debate? I'm very spirited today, Hunter. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so tell me, Hunter, uh, what uh, what do you want to talk about? All right. Um, so the Olympics are coming up, and I was just wondering which one, which uh, you know, events are y'all's favorite to watch. Oh, okay. Interesting. Thank you Thank for calling. You, and uh, well, okay. My favorite events: steeplechase. Steeplechase. I don't know what that is. Is that see? True? That's why it's my favorite event. I, as usual, I am the alternative. <laughs> you can watch Are your you Michael Phelps churches. You that's can, what I was picturing. You can watch your you can watch your Michael Phelps swimming, which we all do. I like alternative events, things that you don't see every day. You don't have your kid. Signed up for the cheeple stays. Cheeple stays. <laughs> There's a steeple. Steeple chase. Go get it. I like. What is a steeple chase? It's just who I am. I just like alternative. Just to stay on topic here, take the Olympic topic and make it into. I do not like things that are just fed to me. You yeah. know, you're supposed to. You're supposed to like certain events. Baseball. You're supposed to sign your kid up for baseball because there's no no interest or ability in baseball. You better find something. What else. is a steeple? <laughs> what, what is, is steeple, steeple chasing? It's not a steeple. You're not chasing a steeple. There's no <laughs> church involved. Okay, okay. You actually leap over this tall steeple. <laughs> it's a big hurdle. What? It's a big a, hurdle. It's a big that. pointy turtle. It's not pointy. There's oh. no steeple involved. You don't like open up the doors and there's all the people you with the be steeple involved in the title. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's spelled differently. Uh, okay, it's called the steeplechase. I like and I, I, you should Google it for God's sakes. I am uh, backstage at Tommy T's in San Francisco with uh, Craig Shoemaker, who we have known each other for 30, about, yeah, about 25, 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. And in the last 20 years, we've seen each other once <laughs> at Rooster Teeth Feather. Please don't tell anyone. How many people were here tonight for the show? <laughs> Can we just open up with that? Sure, sure. Yeah, I just did, didn't I? I didn't say the number 12. I didn't say, I didn't say how many people were in the audience, 12 people. It was a modest crowd, but lively. Modest. That's a nice way to look at but, it. But they lively. Were lively. They, they were the, lively. They were enthusiastic. What happened in my career, for God's sake? <laughs> I haven't seen you once, and, and now now this is what this is your only impression of me. Jeez, he's throwing 12 people. What the hell happened in his career? Oh, I've It's been... a new room. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I wish they would pack it out. Yeah. Um, but Tommy's like old school, the way he promotes. Well, there's He's that. He's still walking around just, the streets like nice as, as, from, you know, you know. <laughs> It's nice. I mean, the room is gorgeous, but it's, it suffers the same problem that several other clubs that I've, you know, worked with have, which is visibility. Yeah. It's, you know, it's so hard to say, well, where is it? You walk up the street and there's nothing. There's no signs. Yeah. There so. is for, uh, you know, Prometheus is playing next door. <laughs> That's right. But uh, but not the, the Prometheus. So if Tommy changed Craig the name Schumacher. of the club to every 
movie that was showing here. <laughs> That's what you should do. Yes. Showing now, and then you sort of lure them in as they think they're coming into the movies. That's right, and hand out 3D glasses. Well, it Say, was, it's it, so <laughs> real, you'll think you're there. A 3D comedy show. I never even thought about there that. There you go. See, we're coming up with See? We Genius. Have to some marketing idea that's going to help this guy. He's living in 1978. Oh, Tommy man. would put a comedy club anywhere. One time he added in a. Remember when um, the uh, cowboy places yes. were popular? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, is there, the, what, just put a blanket over the bull, what? and uh, they'll stop riding that, the bull for two that, hours during that was the comedy con- show. Conquered, right? right back, yeah. Conquered. It was, right yeah, it, was a country, we it was a country bar and comedy. Yeah. It was fantastic. And so, yeah, people were like, but trying you know, to there's see a history of that. Cowboy did, hats. Did, That's never good for comedy. Did you ever work Rooster Tea Feathers when it was the country store? Uh, in no, Sunnyvale? I just missed it. But that's when Tony was running it when he started. It was the country store, and it was a country bar. And then they would do comedy a couple nights a week. Yeah, and you hear the cash register in the back, those old-fashioned ones. Yeah. Cha-ching. Yeah, and the blenders. And his, mother, his mother was back there. Yes. Remember her? Yes, Yvonne Wayland the Dragon Lady. <laughs> it's like Waylon and Madam. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she worked the door for years. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and nobody messed with her. No, you couldn't she get guests. She was better than a big, giant bouncer. Oh, she was amazing. Was this, she was about 32 pounds yeah. at maximum. Yeah, soaking wet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she's back there. And hey. she, she would not let people in on Did guest lists. Yeah. Go, I'm headlining. <laughs> I still have to pay. I couldn't have a guest list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my country store here. And there was a beautiful green room, but there was nowhere to sit. And then there was like an old camper shell burned out in the back where you could sit on a couch. Where two people live. That's right. The lackeys live there, and they would have that ammonia mop that they would pull out yes. as soon as the show was over. That's right. And now here comes here comes the That's ammonia. That's right. Oh, man. It's, it's like a bad dorm party. So... Craig and I got to know each other when we were both uh, when I was living in L.A. Yeah, and you'd been down there uh, doing comedy, and we started. I arrived in L.A. and that back when we met. Yeah, yeah. and I came to I came there. It was actually October of '87. Okay, so that, and I moved that's with, what I got. There. Yeah, I was in '87 too. John Mulrooney and Richard Jenny. Okay, and we moved out there. And we thought we were gunslingers from yeah. New York. We we're like. Uh, just to keep with the whole cowboy theme that we have today. But then we came out there like, we'll show you. And that's that's yeah. the attitude that we had because we thought that L.A., you know, there was soft comedy and everything. But, you know, we... Yeah, we, and I'd moved down. I was running the club in Seattle, and I'd written a screenplay with Franklin Ajay, which we'd sold to Universal. Wow. Like, we, it, was a good a, it was a development deal, and he and I had never written anything. Wow. And I said, wow, this screenwriting thing is easy. This is a piece. I'm moving to Los Angeles. Isn't it amazing? I didn't sell anything for another fucking 15 years. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It's amazing, though, when you're when you're new to the business, how exciting it is and how they give you the, those deals just oh. because you're young and new. Oh, yeah. And you have three minutes of material. They're going, oh, we got to sign him before someone else does. Remember holding deals? I had one with NBC. <laughs> I tell you what happened was, and this is when, and by the, the problem with young people is ego. So yeah. your ego takes over, and I signed the deal and with NBC, and I, I'm the new NBC contract player. When I hear that, though, I'm thinking contract player. That's right. I'm Mickey Rooney. Yeah, I'm Bob Hope. Um, yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. It's MGM. It's the old days. <laughs> and I signed this deal, and I bought myself a car right away. Yeah. I bought a car. Something big and classy, a Lincoln Mark Seven. Nice. With the big, I forgot I was in L.A. and not yeah. South Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the big wheel well in the back and everything. And I'm pulling up, and I pulled up the NBC guard gate. 
on my first day, and I go, hi, Craig Shoemaker, because one of my dreams was to have my name on a parking spot. Sure. I assumed. you contract player? I'm a contract player. God damn. And he's looking at the list. He goes, I don't see you on the list. I go, well, I'm new. I'm the new NBC contract player. And the guy's like, yeah, take a spy- space next to Judy Garland's over here. You know, he's like ripping on me. I go, you'll see. I'm going to be the big new oh, NBC boy. star. Yeah. So then it came down to, because they really want to have their investment pay off, and uh, this tells you my ego, too, is they gave me a contract. I'm going to be on a new show called Nuthouse. <laughs> and Nuthouse was produced by Mel Brooks and uh, Brandon Tartikoff, the head of NBC. Sure. So it's between me and one other guy for this. Basically, it's a test. It's like a screen test in an office. But I was, that was the other thing. I'm expecting the studios, you yeah. know, uh, 30 seconds. You know, I was expecting yeah. no, it's the an guy office. with the beret. Yeah. And a, and a, you know, no, you're in an office, right? So instead of – they gave me new lines, and they call them sides, and they said instead of me learning them, my ego says, eh, I got this in the bag. I'm the NBC contract player. So I start <laughs> flirting with the the, uh, wait, uh, the uh, receptionist. Sure. And perhaps you know me. I'm Craig Shoemaker. And, um, contract you player. You might know my contract might have come across your desk. <laughs> as soon as I get this, I am going to make $15,000 a week for a minimum of 12 weeks it was picked up for. I've already got it spent. Sure, of course. And I'm, all the people I'm going to get even with. <laughs> so uh, you know, I got a list. You know, all the girls didn't go to the prom with me. Thirteen girls I asked to the prom. <laughs> Linda Scott went with me and made out with Ricky Altamere in the corner. That was not. But that, you don't hold a grudge. I don't hold a grudge. No. I got back at her okay. though. I was on a show with Cindy Crawford once. She goes, "Well, the Love Master, you must have had a lot of girls." I go, "No, I didn't, Cindy." Linda Scott made out with Ricky Altamere, and I turned to the camera. I go, "But now I'm sitting with Cindy Crawford, okay, Linda Scott?" Nice. And guess what? She was watching. No way. And I loved it. I got oh, an email. Fair. Thanks a lot. And then I got an email from. Ricky Altamare's <laughs> wife going, he always was a creep, wasn't he? <laughs> so I got even with both of them in one shot. But, but anyway, so I get called into the office. Now, what happened was I didn't study, so then I got nervous. There's Brandon Tartikoff, Mel Brooks, Alan Spencer, this big writer, and they're all sitting there. And I was very uncomfortable because they didn't introduce me as the NBC contract player. They just go, here's Craig Shoemaker. So already I'm going, what's going on here? I start getting nervous, and I'm now sweating like Albert Brooks in, in broadcast <laughs> yeah, news. news. It's pouring off of me. You can hear, and splat, you heard it go onto my script. <laughs> nice. And now the ink that I put on there starts smearing. I can't <laughs> read the words. And all the sweat is just pouring, and I'm stuttering and everything. And there was a phone call in the script. And instead of miming a phone like I had rehearsed, I picked up the office phone. And I start reading into the phone. I'm going, hello, Nuthouse. And the guy goes, I'm on the line. I'm on this line. I go, Mr. Nut's not here. They go, can you hear me? I said, I'm on the line. Can you t- change lines? I don't have the presence of mind to change a line. He goes, did you hear me? I said, I'm, I'm on the line. Get off the phone. He goes, he's upstairs eating a Nutter Butter sandwich right now. He can't come with you right now. And he goes, do you hear me? Get the fuck off the fucking phone. He screams it so loud that you can hear it in the office. That's fantastic. They're all staring at me. He goes, Mel Brooks gave me that look like, this is the NBC contract player. This is who you bring me. And I didn't get the show. What? It went to the other guy. No, I saw And Nuthouse became a – oh, never heard of it. No. Yeah. <laughs> Cloris Leachman, Harvey <laughs> Corman. I'm going, this is a big hit. Sure. It's going to be a big hit. Yeah. It only lasted 12 weeks, but that could have been 12 weeks of 15000 a week, of which that was enough revenge money That's to get right. me going for another two years. But it didn't happen. See but that happens. will tell you it's all about yep. keeping the ego in check. Being present, and I know that now. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I didn't I, know it then. I did a presentation for Tartikoff uh, these 
there were these producers, and I was like the head writer. It was, it was supposed to be an improvised show, and we had like uh, a bunch of improvisers, like Steve Smith and John Panette and all these people that were going to be improvising. And we realized we've got 20 minutes to wow Brandon Tarkov. So, well, we can't improv uh, in an audition for Tartikoff. No, in a soundstage with no audience. You oh can't do improv with no audience. So oh. we had to f- basically do a phony improv thing. <laughs> and so he shows up and he's laughing. He's he just, oh, he's loving. He's just, this, he's laughing. He gets up, he's walking, he leans down to me on the way and goes, This is never going to get picked up. <laughs> 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 he's laughing. He's laughing. He didn't, at you. he didn't want them to feel bad because oh, they were trying so no. hard. Oh. Yeah, because this is never going to get picked oh, up. I hate show business. <laughs> and now I'm in front of 12 people. Where's See? the career coming? See? I just said it again. I should um, admit this. I'm supposed so, to, you're supposed to give an illusion. I know. That's all comedy and entertainment is, is an illusion. Mm-hmm. You, If you say that you're great, people actually believe it. It's the emperor's new clothes that's most right. of the time. But I actually am really knocking it out on stage. But it's hard to draw because people are drawn to the illusion. Right. And I'm, I don't have, like, the the ego to keep that illusion going. I don't right. want to, you know what I mean? I hate self-promotion, you know. By the way, I'll be uh, performing on <laughs> uh, You can do Love Master on Twitter. And uh, Craig well, Shoemaker, hit my the ir- page. The irony. My podcast called the, Laugh It Off with Craig Shoemaker. But anyway, I'm not into promotion. The irony is that it's become a world of Really self-promotion yes. with social media, with that's, Facebook, with Twitter, that's, that's with right. everything else. So if you can keep your act to 140 characters, you genius. have got it made. Yeah. Absolutely. Meanwhile, I'm doing an hour and a half on stage. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because I look at it as like a one-man yeah. performance, and you know, it's a, I really give it all. But 140 characters and a sex tape will get you a career. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so I want to get into, into your podcast uh, because we are the comedy podcast podcast um but before i do that let's let's roll back the hands of time a little bit and and talk about how you got started doing stand-up in the first place before you moved out to california how did how did you well i was was, uh you know class clown even Mm -hmm. though i lost by the way as class clown yeah i i won shortest I won shortest. I was five one. Okay. I was I matured very late. And Paul de Blasey won wittiest. Really? And where is he today? I will tell you. I saw him in an audience one night and he's a teacher in the LA school district. Really? And I turned him, I go, I'm six two now and who's the funniest? That's fantastic. <laughs> like I, I got to have my You have lots of revenge. I do, I have a lot. It it propels me. <laughs> it propels me. <laughs> Okay, so self-professed Listen, class clown. is exactly, you know, that's yeah, why we course, do comedy. That's why comedy. It doesn't propel me as much as it used to. I don't really have the revenge list anymore. I certainly did. But, I mean, it, it's like if I had, like, a normal childhood. You talk about Robin Williams when we were off stage. Yeah. I have a story with Robin Williams. Like, I was backstage with him. And, you know, you have these dreams in life, you know, like, that propelled me through my childhood. I'm going, I'm going to do this. I'm going yep. to do that. And I had a dream come true. I'm backstage. My film... The Love Master won the Independent Film Festival. Fifteen thousand people are out in the audience, and they're you know cheering and everything. And Robin Williams is backstage, and I said, Robin, I didn't have anyone to call. I didn't have a girlfriend. I go, my mother. Finally, I'll get approval from my mother. Yeah. Because it's all about that too, right? Because <laughs> she still thinks this is a phase. Of course, you don't <laughs> you get, get over, over it. This phase, you yeah. get over it. Get a real job. You have something to fall back, back on. on. Meanwhile, yeah, I've been yeah. thirty years in the business <laughs> making more. Who else can say they're the same career for thirty years? Yeah. A doctor, maybe we make as much as doctors. Anyway, my mother, maybe she'll be proud. I go, Robin, would you talk to my mother? She'll love it. She's a big celebrity. She loves celebrities. So I call up. I go, Mom, Mom. 
my film won the independent film festival. I'm standing here with Robin Williams, and he's going to talk to you. She goes, that's very nice, Craig. You know not to call me during Jeopardy. <laughs> I got to go. And as she's hanging up, I hear, who is Ann Warsadot? <laughs> Got to get one last answer. So in. your mom has her own revenge, which is she interesting. Does. It seems to be it seems to be a whole family thing. <laughs> it's just passed on. I want to stop the paradigm. I want to change the paradigm. That's what I do with my kids. They don't hear any of this angst. That's good. I don't know how you keep it away from them. But I don't know good. how either. Maybe they hear I, it behind your voice. I get it all out with you. <laughs> okay, so you're a class clown. Yeah, class and- clown, and I was uh, I first before I went to college, I went I worked because we didn't have any money. We were very poor. I used to think the and you're word, in Philly? Yeah, from Philly, but I didn't have a dad, so we're poor. I used to think the word evict meant move. <laughs> like, I go, look, Mommy, here's the eviction truck. She'd read in the letter. We'd cry, she'd cry, and we'd pack up, and then we're on to the, wow. now on to the next place. So there was always that sense of chaos, shall we say, and then i got to be a comedian. There's so much stability in that. <laughs> I've actually thought that I'm a big rescue guy. I see strippers. I'm going, I could save you from this. <laughs> You could be a comics wife. <laughs> There's so much stability. <laughs> so I, I was working in a law firm. I was going to be a lawyer. And I would perform in the lunchroom. I would imitate the lawyers okay. and I'd imitate celebrities. And I'd entertain people in the lunchroom all the time. I was a clerk. And uh, this guy, a musician, Jim Mardinley, said, you want to go between sets of my band? I never really thought of comedy. I said, sure. And uh, it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Sandy Supper Club wow. in West Philadelphia, a complete uh, African-American area. Nice. At that time, black. Uh, <laughs> this was a long time ago. So, And it was uh, about 107 degrees outside, all black audience, and my six very white friends <laughs> who came to support me. And I did impressions, and I just did – what I would do is I would do an old joke – and put an impression in. Okay. Like if it was a gay joke, I'd do Truman Capote, walks into a bar, moo moo. That, <laughs> that was one of my first jokes. And then I took a t- guitar on stage and I did leaving on a jet plane as different, you know. Then I did celebrity smoking pot. That became my first. Signature I, piece. Yeah, I wonder how I wrote that. My friends would just <laughs> hand me the joint and I'd do a celebrity, you know. Nixon, that's damn good weed. Every joke was that's damn good weed, <laughs> no matter who it was. And then I ended up as Curly from the Three Stooges on the floor, stoned in a circle. <laughs> that was my bit. And I got like a couple kernels of a laugh. Yeah. My friends were too nervous. They were going, they're black people. And <laughs> they were not laughing, but the black people were. Okay. As they were fanning themselves like a Baptist church, <laughs> uh, they were just loving it, and I got a few laughs, and I was literally hooked like crack. I mean, yeah. and I have not been off it since. I do need recovery, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and that's that's how I started. And so now, did, did was was there a nascent Philadelphia comedy scene then, or did you have I'm to go to Philadelphia? New- you have to describe what the word nascent means. <laughs> uh, a new, a new. I know. New. I know. Uh, <laughs> By the way, it's twice you've used it. Tonight. I know. I kept <laughs> waiting for you to get it. Um, so was was there a Philadelphia comedy scene at the time, or did you have to go to New York? No, to I, I get did in? the comedy thing. My first semi-professional gig was uh, Bob Saget. Oh, sure. Uh, was on stage. Rich Hall, remember him? Yeah, absolutely. Joe Bolster. Yep. Meyer and Young, who became big writers. Okay. And um, who else was on that stage? It was a couple other. Uh, and then the Judy Toll, Tom mm-hmm. Wilson, and those are the people that uh, first first started out. They all moved to California really soon. I stayed in Philly, and then I went to New York for a little bit. Okay. I lived in Long Island. I used to think 
because I was in Philly, I thought I'd get a place in Long in Long Island outside of New York, thinking I'll just commute into the city. I had no idea how far it was, and then it cost twenty seven dollars one way. So if I wanted to go into the city, it was going to cost yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up in Long Island uh, in a improv group with uh, it was Eddie Murphy's old group. Oh, really, and uh, he went on to Saturday Night Live, and then I was in that with uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Okay, and she and I started together, and then we headline co headlined together and toured doing stand up, yeah. and we would do. Uh, bits from our improv troupe. Well, isn't it funny how the, how those improv chops? I mean, you're out there tonight with those small audience. Yeah, it wasn't even an audience. It wasn't a crowd. It was uh, but, a gathering. But yeah. nonetheless, the ability to be able to, you know, they're th- they're talking and throwing stuff at yeah. you and stuff, and yeah. to be able to fold that and go back into your yeah. act and stuff. I mean, I'm always, you know, advising uh, comics to at least take an improv class. Yeah. You know, I think it's just a world of good in terms of being able to start to get more facile with coming in and out. Yeah. You know what? I I actually do that as well as I mentor comics. Matter of fact, Sarah, who I tour with, you know, mentor different people that I tour with and things and other comedians. And the biggest thing I say to them is a lot of comics think it's about the jokes and they think it's about joke writing. And that's very important. But the most important thing is who are you? Mm-hmm. Who are you? That person that you're bringing is going to go to situations like this. And who I am, I am responding to the small gathering or I'm responding to a bad DJ when you go in and they're pressing buttons and stuff. You have to organically have a response. And that's where your sense of self, hence the sense of humor, needs right. to be developed. And that's what I always advise along with the improv because the improv, those chops need to be there. But you need to know who you are. Oh, absolutely. And that's a thing that's missing with so many people. It's like that phony, sticky, hey, baby, you know, with the punchlines and things. Yeah. But sometimes you don't go for punchlines. You go for moments. And it really helps me even with hecklers. Yeah. I have a new thing I do with hecklers. I used to snap, like a lot of people, you know, and I... You know, just lose it on them. And, you know, I have all these lines, you know. Yeah. Uh, I tell dick jokes and I have a prop. You know, you have, you have these <laughs> lines for them and you're ready for them. And they become stock lines or whatever it is. Now what I do is I pause and I let the moment happen. And then I will respond as me in that moment. And, it's, and uh, that's what I encourage people to do. And no one wants to hear that, by the way. They go, how do I get an agent? <laughs> so they always want to rush to the agent. But no, but I that's, go, that's really way, smart advice. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, stories of comics snapping at hecklers are legendary. Was there anybody more legendary than Kirkenbauer? For instance, or, Bill, no, Bill the, Kirkenbauer the was. The best is that video with the guitar. That's true. That's the greatest. That's video. true. But the great, it's one of the. I could think about that and laugh. That's true. I, where it goes out of frame. Yes. Like, yes. You, and you hear Al, the set. Yes. You, and, the, and, the, and then the guy comes back with just the neck of just the guitar. Just the neck of the guitar with the strings. I saw basically that. Basically saying that guy deserved it. He's like trying to justify. Yeah. It. He just smashed the guy over the head and to I, the point where the guitar is gone. Yeah. Out of frame, gone. It is one of the funniest. Videos. And I saw what that. Ori- that I saw that originally on a VHS. I was working for yeah. John Fox, yeah. and they sent. Oh, that you know, got pe- everywhere. People would send it. Yeah, that <laughs> it was, was it. It was yeah. a great audition tape. Yeah, for that guy. but I was. Who was uh, it, by the way? What? I, I, Do you remember? I don't remember I don't even remember who it was. He can't be in the business anymore. He's probably in prison. Yeah, but I, I, I do remember a show one night at the Comedy Underground Seattle where Kirkenbauer was headlining, and there was some guy like three, four rows back, and I'm, I'm about to go in and try and yank the guy out, right? And Kirkenbauer 
loses it yeah. and literally runs across three cocktail tables <laughs> from the stage yeah. and dives on the guy. Yeah. It was like just, <laughs> oh, my God, are you kidding? Do you, do you see the presence of mind that you need to have? Yeah. Not a good idea. Yeah. And you don't know what's out there. You know what I mean? No. You don't know the weaponry that might be out there. Absolutely. Or what could happen to you. So that's why I really take the time. I let them hang themselves. You know, basically, yeah. just give them, give a little bit of patience, let it go, let it breathe for a little bit, and, and eventually have them kicked out if it gets really bad. That's if right. If they just take over and they're destroying it for other people. That's right. That's another thing that you think of as you're going, come on. Yeah. These people are paying money. They're, they don't want to hear you. And some people yeah. think, like that, that woman tonight. I oh, mean, I know. Crazy. Yeah, and she finally did sort of get it. I did enough yeah. you know, lines with her. And, you, you, got know, through said, the, you got through the haze. Yeah, I got through the, my hazing. <laughs> she should have had a paddle. At least, and I'm like I'm a pledge. Oh, I'm, man. A, I'm in Phi Kappa Theta now because of this woman. But, yeah, she, she would not stop and yeah. she wasn't heckling like no nope. she was she thought it was her place to converse with you she thought that she was giving add-ons and i kept yeah. saying write it down <laughs> you know she, she, she had something to say about every joke it's like that reminds me of the time okay keep it to yourself just yeah. just laugh so where did you first really start to kind of get the sw- get into the swing of, of stand-up was it in new york or was it when you got to la it was philly it was definitely philly. oh so, and then, so it wasn't philly before college, you made the move I did okay it in, i did it in college where i would get up anywhere strip clubs uh, nightclubs in between sets of a band fraternity parties keg parties whatever it was i'd say give me a microphone and if there was a microphone there i would get up and i would do you know bits to entertain the crowd and you know, it, it, because I did impressions back then, which I don't do anymore. I do like one or two. Yeah. But I used to do. I remember. Zitter, yeah. yeah. I just did a hundred impressions. I wanted to be Rich Little. Yeah. You know, which was not a not a good. Not, uh, nothing to aspire to. <laughs> I met him, too. And that ended it for me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rich Little. <laughs> I have no personality of my own. You know, <laughs> And I went, oh, geez, is that what I want? And then I, I had a big transformation that took place, probably mid '90s, where I mm. just said, "You got to get, you know, you got to get your point of view." Uh, even and if you do have impressions in your act, make sure it's organic and yeah. genuine. Like I do an impression of Patrick Stewart because I did a movie with him. Yeah, that's a funny story. Yeah, but it backs up the story that I happen to be able to do the impression. Happened to be able to. Yeah, you know, Overton I think to, made that realization too. Rick, Rick Overton made that observation in his own act because yeah. he used to be heavily into doing impressions. He great impressionist. Yes, Sean and then Connery again, yeah. probably in the nineties, it all started to just kind of sift away. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, it's also growth and you know being an adult and yeah. things and and and, and to, you have something to say. You exactly. no longer have to talk through somebody else's voice. If you don't have a sense of self, you know have a sense of humor so what are you supposed to give to the audience you know i i, I saw a show on uh, they did a spring break show uh and i watched these two comedians and uh, and they, the whole audience they have no laughter there's it's not a genuine laugh it's just woo. It's the woo people. Woo. so your whole act is just like uh, let me give them something yeah. i drank 12 beers last night woo. you know what i mean no jokes, but because they yeah. don't really know who they are yet. They know that here's what I'm told. I'm supposed to be at this spring break. I'm supposed to see some wet T-shirt contests, <laughs> and that's it. And that's what they know. And they know sex, and they know uh, you know a little bit of subtle racism. And you, you throw that stuff at them, and that's what they want to hear. But they don't have a genuine laugh. 
now the adult audiences that I have, which are great, even those young girls tonight yes. were amazing. Yeah, no, they were. They got everything. Yep, they did. Because they had a maturity, though. Yeah. They were not woo people. No, woo and, people. Yeah, they were not. The, they, they really, and they connected. And that connectedness is what I really try to aspire to do is connect with these are my friends. I'm being of service to them, which also takes the nerves out because all I'm doing is sure. I'm going to share what I have with you. And you Yeah, know, there's nothing really to – there, there's nothing – although there's lines and bits and stuff, there's nothing that has to be remembered. It's it's all there. It's you. You know, right. I mean, it's it's, right. it's much more accessible. And I find they do – you know, they, when, when they do connect on another level, that's also the best news with uh, Facebook. And Twitter and things, you are connected with them on an even deeper level. Yeah. I posted something today. It was not funny whatsoever about how much I love my wife. I saw it. 375 saw it. likes. Yeah. On one page and about 390 on the other. I couldn't believe Just because I said I love my wife. So they were basically telling me, we like you. Yes. You know, we don't like your jokes. They do. But, but that's not but the we point. we want to yeah. know you. And yeah. that's what I believe that revealing is really good for them. You know, and that's. That's, that's yeah. where I want to go with my career, with my podcast, and my life. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, let's all let's, – we're all in this together. We're on this planet together. Let's share some moments of truth yeah. and authenticity, and that's what they dig. You know, and I, you know, I just wish there were more people following it. I mean, really, I mean, tonight having 12 people – and by the way, that's no exaggeration. <laughs> I think it was 12. I think maybe it 15. May, may have been 15. You know, yeah. thank God you were here. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I have a question for you. Yes. I couldn't see you were in the dark. Yeah. Be honest with me. Did you laugh? Did I hear your laugh? Yes, you did. There? Did you really laugh? Absolutely. Because I thought of you the whole show. Because <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, he's a comic. He's heard everything before. And yeah, I'm thinking, but I'm thinking, what what do you laugh? You probably but, laughed at the failure parts. <laughs> no, no, I <laughs> no, I laughed at a lot. Failure. No, no, I laughed at a lot of stuff that you Did had you? going on, especially when you were making connections with those people. I mean, you know, I. I I love hanging out with my comic friends. And although you and I haven't hung out in years, right. you and I did hang out. Yeah. And those are the people that I've, I always connect with. I mean, I've, you know, I've known yeah. Dana Carvey for 25, 30 years. Right. I can watch his set over and over and over again. And laugh. And laugh. Yeah, that's good. Well, you're I, a generous guy. I mean, that, that really helps you be who you are is you're generous. So it doesn't surprise me that you were laughing. I did want to check in with you. But, <laughs> but I mean, I think that a lot of comics don't. They're back there going, good premise. Yes, that's entertaining. Heard that before. He should twist this. He should tag it with this. There's like so much thought that goes on instead of of us enjoying ourselves. Yeah, my, I that, enjoy going to see that. Comedy. Analytical part of yeah. me kicks in just when I'm seeing somebody who isn't really funny but has the potential to be. I mean, mm-hmm. it comes from having to you know judge people to be in the comedy competition for years, have, running yeah. a comedy club, booking people. So you go, yeah, I can see where that would be funny mm-hmm. in the right situation. Or you could see a potential. But if a, if a comic really makes me laugh, they, I'm, an, I'm an easy laugh. If wow. they, you know, if they've got that key. So I'm I was laughing a lot add, of stuff. I'm glad you added tonight. I needed every one I could get. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the love master, which yeah. we saw a little of there yeah. tonight, but for, uh, taste. for a while, love master was, uh, I mean, really, really big. It was, yeah, it was, it was my signature piece. You know, I was thinking about it the other day, cause I'm, I am going through like a you know, transition, in life and in comedy and you know rebranding goes on with that and the love master has been a blessing certainly you know movie and bought me a house yeah and by the way i don't you definitely don't know this you know who brought the love master to be no 
Tony Modica. Really? From from, that's Ro- why I from went Rooster Tees. To thank him, basically, on his birthday, surprise birthday. I flew up there, you know, right. put myself up and stuff. I wasn't going on stage. I just wanted to say thank you because I will never forget the day he turned to me. Wow. He goes, you need to bill yourself as the love master because people are going to remember it. It was only a part of my act, a big part at the time, and then it became a bigger part and a bigger part. And that's what I'd say eh, 80% of people don't know Craig Shoemaker, the name. They know the love master. Wow. Even my Twitter name's the love master. And there's part of me that doesn't want to do it. But then there's another part of it that says, Bruce Springsteen, you want to hear Born to Run. Yeah. You know, and he's not tired of it, and I'm not necessarily tired of it, and I, you know, he varies it. He's my inspiration, by the way. Okay. When I saw Springsteen, I went, yeah. that's what I want to do. I want to bring it from the heels, tell the truth, mm. have people exhausted afterwards, say he gave us everything he had, and that's what I try to do on stage, no matter what. And uh, I, that, that, so the Love Master is a greatest hit now. Um, and I really put everything in. I write new lines for it, but it's definitely not what I want my identity to be. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and, and some people, especially comics, they just think it's a big dick joke. And it really isn't. When you get to the core of it, it's really basically it came from I was a geek in high school. The girls would use the F word with me, you know, friend, always a freaking friend. And they would go to the bathroom with me. You know, they pee, pee together. They took me with them. That's what a geek I was. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes on the tub and on the toilet. And Tommy's cute. And it was always badasses. And I'm thinking, oh, baby. <laughs> uh-huh. Give the geek a chance, baby. <laughs> and I became that badass. I've had women and only sleep with the love master. Oh, that's funny. I had a one-nighter with this woman. She said, just don't just, be you at really? all. Oh, yeah. And I came out of character. And then I, I blew a load. <laughs> terrible. I was so nervous. I was me for one second. And boom, I'm, I'm sorry. That's funny. I had to apologize. Um is there anything you would would have handled differently knowing how ingrained the Love Master became? Or you're kind of grateful for it all and now you're just hmm. kind of switching gears? I've never been asked that before. I, I, you know, it's like the, you know, the old do-over thing. Now, I, I couldn't do that over again because, I mean, I wouldn't be at this point where I have the opportunity to have the rebrand. Mm-hmm. I'd still be like a lot of guys I've seen never, quote-unquote, made it right. with any character or any – um, following, you know, there were so many funny people that we watched growing up, funnier than me. And I'm going, whoa, that guy. But they didn't quite get to the next level. Right. And I have theories on why that happened. You know, it could be, you know, drugs, alcohol. Yeah, I mean, there's, it a, could be a, lot yeah, of there's a lot of factors, different reasons. Bitterness, ego, cynicism, too much, too much so. But the Love Master, what that did was it created other opportunities, you know. And right now I'm actually developing a show called The Master of Love. Oh, okay. Which is a master of love because I did find that in my life. Interesting. So that's one of the rebrands that's going on right now. And, you know, including the podcast is, is everything has more purpose now, but I wouldn't have that opportunity because I wouldn't have the fan base. That's right. You know, I got this big fan base who are following along with me, my life, my divorces, my kids, you know, and all the struggles. And they're there with me. And they, like I said, when I posted that today, they loved it because they're they're going. This guy, you know, I connect with them. It's I actually real. write back to them. You know, I don't consider fans. I hate that word fan. I consider them. These are a lot of them are my friends now. Yeah. From all these years of developing with me, they feel like they've gone on this journey with me, and I like to you know impart this either wisdom or share the stories with them, which are always you know they always end up to be funny stories of my failure, basically, <laughs> you know, my failures, my trips, my falls, and yeah. so on, which they relate to. But the Love Master is just that cocky character 
that women always say they hate that guy, but they all sleep with him. <laughs> They're liars. That's funny. <laughs> I have proof. Well, let's talk about uh, talk about the podcast. It sounds like you you say you've done how many episodes? Twelve, of them, I twelve think. episodes, Something like twelve. And it's on the Toad Hop Network. ToadHopNetwork dot com, and it's shot on HD cameras, and they have like three, four cameras, and it's real nice studios. And we shoot them, and we do a two hour show. It's called Laugh It Off. It's noon Pacific to two. Every Monday. Okay. But you can archive it, which most people do. And we're doing really well. I mean, it's just gone up in the ratings. And the... What's the, the, the premise? The basic premise is it's called Laugh It Off, and it's about finding ways to basically... That's your healing, is let's find the humor mm. in something. Let's find the funny, no matter what your circumstances are. And I really got involved, and in, I have this Laughter Heals Foundation. I really got involved. My best friend got brain cancer mm. about... 13 years ago, and that was the biggest inspiration. And there's been many indications along the line that this is something the comedians are very cynical about, and I don't care that they are. We are healers, and we have a gift, and we need to share that gift. But it, but we need yeah. to raise the awareness of it's not just about laughter, and it's not about you getting laughs for your own ego purposes. It really is about helping people find an alternative way to change their paradigm to change their way of life. And you know what it does. I mean, I don't have to tell you Norman Cousins you sure. know, and Patch Adams. It it changes all the condition and all the energy that could be negative or it could be, you know, cynical, sarcastic. And it just changes or it could be really, like, stress-filled or traumatic. And it really goes to show you because we do this thing called, I came up with this, guided lapidation. Okay. And instead of meditating, I take them through a lapidation where you don't even need a joke. And we had people on there, and through the, the lapidation, they express what their biggest obstacle is in life. And we had, like, Suzanne Wong was on the other day. And she's – we do this thing I, like I do – I'll show you how it works. I go, you just start laughing. I go, I have Crohn's disease. <laughs> <laughs> I have diarrhea every day. <laughs> so, so you express this, and people, it's so contagious. Even funny. you right now, yeah. you're, like, giggling. There's no joke in there. I'm saying I have Crohn's disease. She's in there going, I – I lost my breast. I have stage four breast cancer. And she's saying this and laughing about it because she, that's, the, that's the choice that she made. Yeah. So you could make this choice. You're supposed to, be maudlin, you're supposed to be maudlin with a certain situation. You're supposed to act a certain way. No, we on Laugh It Off on our podcast, we're really about transformation, taking this to another realm of possibility is it, with your life. So – with laughter all the way, jokes, stories, sure. you know, we don't cut out on that. But we have spiritual leaders on the show. We have evolutionary leaders and comics that are, you know, adult. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not just after the laugh, that they really have, like, a purpose. You know, we had Wendy Lehman on, and we had uh, George Carlin's daughter. Sure. Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, she's who, been on our show, too. She was actually. Kelly's great. She was my therapist. Really? Yeah. She was my therapist and helped me oh, through funny. my okay. – she helped me get divorced. She used to see me and my ex-wife. Oh, wow. She said, I can't be seeing you two. She kicked her out of the room, just saw me. Really? And then helped me get divorced and also bring in the most incredible woman. I'm madly in love with my wife, and I know there's nothing funny about it. Madly in love with my wife. And that's what manifested from Kelly being a little inspiration in that. And, um, and then she was an ordained minister, and she married me in Hawaii. 
Oh. But odd, the, but the bad that, part that of the was story when is the next day, her dad. Yeah, I had to get. I had to go find her. She was getting a massage. And I knocked on her condo door, and to tell her, her dad died, which is really surreal. So then I'm driving her to the airport, and everything's reversed. I'm supposed. Yes. To, she's supposed to be my therapist, and I'm going. She, I'm watching her go through all the stages of grief. But uh, she means so much to me, but not because of their dad was George Carlin, because of who she is. Right. And who she is is a very, very conscious, higher, high-level living person who really helped me get the mud off me and have something greater. She saw in me what I couldn't see in me, and she brought that out. And But it was it's odd and surreal, though, at the same time that her father is the greatest comic I've ever lived. <laughs> That's right, isn't you know it? What I mean, and... So we had her on the show and we're talking about, you know, her struggles and, and her, you know, victories in life, but also, you know, her journey. And that's what we try to do on the show is we really have different types of guests and, you know, yeah. some real funny, we had some not as funny. We had a psychic on the other day who actually brought me a child in the past on my old radio show. So wow. it's, it's real different. And we hope that people, you know, lock into that. Our ratings went skyrocketing. Really fast. And That's we're just great. Hoping to keep developing an audience. I know from the four people that you have, I might get two of them. Yes, I will give you all four of them and their friends. <laughs> oh, I get all four. Yes, all right. absolutely. Right. Yes, everybody, listen. Uh, in fact, we're going to play a clip uh, from, from. I'll get an audio slice from your show. Well, hopefully, we'll actually, I'll here. send you a guided lapidation. You'll see how it works. Okay. It's a real different thing, and I, I'm real proud of it because I, I, I watch people in the room. You know, Sarah Sweet is my co-host producer. And I've watched her. Um, you can see it, like what happens in the moment. You can see what the laughs are true? doing for her. Yeah. And she's like aching, and you can, you know, and, and the, the aches that we have, whatever your stomach or your jaw, what happens, it's basically a release. You're releasing toxins that are yeah. in your body, and that's what the lapidation does. And you're breathing well, and you're, you know, it, it energizes you. And that's what I don't think comics understand that kind of power that we really do have. And I, yeah. and I wish they would tap more into that is you're pl- providing a service for people. It's an escape. And yet there's something very real about it as well. Very, it's very think, present. Yeah. It's, it's up to the comedian to have the consciousness to understand that's what's happening. Yeah. Though. So maybe your show will help comics start to realize that as well. I'm well. hoping so. And, you know, we've had some comics on, you know, but, but they, even if they're not on the show, that they you know start to hear the message. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Listen, there's going to be plenty of, plenty of, the naysayers. Oh, of course, there always are. They'll be out there, you know. You know, it amazes me is, you know, is it really, is that what you really want to do? You think you're going to make it like that? You know, that's probably one of the reasons you're still in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> you're still in a basement, you know, airing out your resentments to the five people that are listening <laughs> on some site that you found where you get to, like, knock other people. Maybe. Ahead. It, you know, Maybe. I know that they're not going to have any sort of inner success or outer success if that's where they come, right. if that's the space they come from. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, unless you're Bill Maher. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's the exception that proves the rule. You know what I do love about him is, uh, you know, I don't find him to be, uh, you know, I knew him years ago. I was writing with him the same time I was writing with you. Not not the the warmest guy. No, but. What I love about him is he's a truth teller. He is definitely and tells that the truth. Is what's great about yeah. it. You know, I, I will not miss his show. I love his show. I think he's a, he's the modern day Carlin. Uh, he's one of them, and Chris Rock's the other one. Mm. I just love the truth telling, and what I you know. But he says 
I'm basically he's going, I am an asshole. Every day he's saying that. Yes. You know what I mean? Maybe not. No, not literally. Literally, but, but I'm mean and I don't like kids and I'm not going to pretend I do. And I just love that about him. I think that's great. And I, I, I my goal is to be even more honest as, as well as he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And he goes to the dark places and the scary places. And it's really courageous to do what he does. Yeah. Most comedy is courageous, but he takes it to another level. Yeah, it, it it gets courageous as soon as it gets honest. Yeah, you know, yeah. no matter which way you take it. Yeah, I think. Um, so what uh, what do you have on the horizon besides the uh, the show and you're you touring a bit? Yeah, touring. Everything has to do with a, doing a documentary about the healing powers of laughter. Okay. Um, uh, called Live to Laugh, and uh, we're going to take seven people with various illnesses and take them through laughter programs. Oh, wow. An integrative okay. an ap- approach, with, and we're going to have a doctor monitor the results. And instead of hearing about it, we'll see it on the screen. We'll say, whoa, the blood work. Uh, they lost weight. They uh, look at their heart rate. Uh, you know, all these things you can see for your very own eyes. You don't have to think this is some hooey, you know, pooey stuff. <laughs> What's the word? Hocus pocus. <laughs> I, like, I like hooey pooey. I've never heard it before, but we've, you've but coined it right here. Hooey pooey. It's that hooey pooey. <laughs> there he is with that hooey pooey crap. Uh, but the, yeah, I mean, that, you'll see it. You know, I've seen it. I go to cancer facilities. I see it. Yeah. Watch it. I had a woman that took a whole other take. She had a whole other take on her cancer. And she wrote the 10 pluses of being bald. Wow. It was hysterical. Okay, that's great. And she read it for our group. And, you know, never have a bad hair day. <laughs> what, what a great way to look at it. You know, her yeah. chemo, she's in torture. What better way to look at it? What I yeah. found, though, was the caregivers have it worse than the patients. Really? They're so frustrated and powerless. Mm. They're, they're pissed off. And the husbands wouldn't even come to the to our really? programs. A lot of the husbands would not support their, their oh, there's nothing to laugh about, you wow. creep. You know what I mean? And I know there is, and you need to get well yeah, too, yeah. because you're going to help their wellness. You know, so uh, yeah, a lot of what I'm doing—that's the kind of work I'd like to really get into, and uh, you know, helping people in other ways, and uh, you know, all with finding the funny. And I have a book coming out too. What, what's and that's that? About, uh, it's about—it's called Grace Book. It's it, finding grace through pages of Facebook, and it's a story. It's a story. It's a real story that happened to me in this relationship I have with this uh, woman 3,000 miles away where I help her using my stories, help her through her pain oh, wow. and give her a new perspective on men and relationships and so forth. And we both together grow and heal within this. And the epilogue to the book, by the way, I help her through a divorce. And the epilogue to the book is uh, I fix her up with a friend of mine that I've known since kindergarten back in Philadelphia, and they're madly in love nine months later. No kidding. Yeah, it's an incredible ending to the story. I couldn't have created this, but I literally responded to wow. an energy that was sending me saying, go to her and share your experiences with her, share your hope, and give that to her. And that's what the book is. And there's a lot of fun in it because I talk about my childhood and how I ended up in this place. Yeah. You know, and this is how I deal with my pain. and. Is how I dealt with it then, you know, trying to find a dad, writing letters to Paul Lynn, yes. you know, hoping he'd be my father, you know, to Tim McCarver, hoping he'd be my father, the <laughs> catcher. By the way, I have a great story with Tim McCarver. I wrote him a letter, never wrote me back. Catcher for the Phillies. I showed my mom his card. Look, he's single. I could tell you, I could tell you wives' names of Philadelphia Phillies. Larry Bowe is married to Shana Bowe. I mean, I have a whole list. 
But I picked the single ones out. I'll tell you who say Tim McCarver's single, never wrote me back. Joe Buck, I got to know him. He came to my show, liked it, and all this. And we you know, came chummy. He got me a ball. I never met Tim McCarver, but the ball says, Dear son, time to grow up. Love dad. Really? AKA Tim McCarver. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was a great button on yes. that story. Hilarious. You know, I also want to write a book called God's a Slow Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> because things that happen in that divine world and, you know, it really does happen in this slow, methodical way, just like mountains are formed and things. It's slow. Never as fast as you want it. I no. wanted a dad. Now I am the dad that I always wanted. Yeah. You know, so these dreams come true. I ended up on Hollywood Squares. I thought I'd be the first father and son team, me and Paul, then <laughs> my dad. But I ended up on there by myself. You know what I mean? All yeah. these things manifested uh, from time and growth and pain and, and stuff like that. So that I want to – I think that there's uh, – you know, there's some stories to tell to help other people, you know, in my journey, from my journey, you know. That's great. To the That's great message. Ha ha. <laughs> Craig, thanks for taking the time Thank out. Thank you, man. It was Appreciate it. Good to finally catch up with you, too. 46 minutes? That's Is us. get edited? Very little. Not really? Yeah. Just let it fly. Yep. Beautiful. Good seeing you, bro. You too, man. So that's my visit with Craig Shoemaker. It was great catching up with Shu. And uh, again, you can catch his, uh, his podcast called Laugh It Off up on the toadhopnetwork.com. Uh, also iTunes, of course. And if you get a chance to catch Craig, uh, he's on a little bit of a comedy tour right now. So if, he's, uh, if he shows up uh, in your town, check him out. You can look for him on the web. Just Google him. He's all over the place. He's always working on new stuff too. So uh, we can look for some new stuff from Craig Shoemaker anytime now. Um, normally we would close out our show with a burst of Durst. However, Will Durst, our political comedian correspondent, is taking a two-week sabbatical to uh, finish up working on an e-book, which he says should be out in August. And uh, I'm hoping once uh, his book is uh, imminent that he will come on the show and uh, grace us with an interview. Although we love getting his burst of Durst, he will return to give us our, his take on the political scene in about another week or so. We should be back in Studio P for the next installment, along with engineer-producer Joe Polino, our booth announcer Bill Haywatt, and a pile of new comedy podcast clips for you. In the meantime, won't you please, oh please, pass that old devil Succotash? You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com or at Suckatash Show on iTunes and even at Suckatash Show on your smartphone Stitcher app. Follow Suckatash on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Friend Suckatash on Facebook. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com or just pick up that phone and give Suckatash a ring at 1-818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please... Pass the succotash.